Hello and welcome to this week's Golf Shape podcast coming to you just after the Easter Bank holiday weekend where we hope that you all took advantage of some decent weather and got out into the golf course and tried to find some fairways as part of our 2017 Fairway Finders campaign with Cobra Golf. Obviously a great week on the PGA and European tours where Eduardo Molinari came back from the dead almost as a player, a guy whose career had really fallen off the planet. He came back to win the uh, Trophy Hassan, finishing ahead of Paul Dunn in the playoff. He finished birdie eagle and birdie in the playoff, an incredible finish there for the Italian who was formerly a Red Cup player, of course, seven years ago. And over in America, Wesley Bryan, who's enjoyed a remarkable rise from being a trick shot star to now a PGA Tour winner, winning the uh, Heritage at Harbour Town. But one guy who took advantage of uh, the Easter weekend this week was Owen Davis, my co-host. My name is Kieran Clark, and I'm going to bring in Owen now. Owen, did Hi, you Kieran. play any golf over the weekend? Uh, I did. Uh, I played a little bit of golf, uh, a bit of a scramble yesterday. So um, mm-hmm. that was good fun, but uh, I was up visiting family mainly. But I certainly took advantage of uh, some of the nice weather we've had over the Easter break and, and managed to squeeze one round in uh, at least, which was great fun. Excellent. And uh, obviously coming in from some of the data we've had from the, the Golf Sheet score tracker and the website over the weekend, certainly a lot of you were out in the golf course this weekend, getting your rounds in there, perhaps first medals of the year maybe, and uh, getting your seasons underway, obviously down to Easter and to April. And uh, obviously last week we talked about being inspired by the Masters, that being on, and Sergio's great win there. So Owen, looking at the, did you catch much of the tour action this weekend or not? Obviously Molinari coming through to win there was obviously a great result for him or and Wesley Bryan winning in America. Did you catch much of the, the tour action this weekend? I have to say, I, I didn't, because obviously an Easter, <clears throat> uh, busy Easter weekend, I didn't catch loads, but I was, uh, it was uh, really interesting and very pleasing to see uh, Molinari's uh, victory, Eduardo Molinari's victory, uh, yep. really coming back, like you say, from the dead and, and fighting back to... Uh, regain his tour card proper and and uh, really make an impact on tour again it was uh, it just shows that although golf uh, is a very fickle game at, at times you can come back and you can reach some really low points whether it's uh, like us playing in the weekends on, on the monthly medal or, or whether it's uh, on tour you can reach some low points but there's always uh, some light at the end of the tunnel Oh, absolutely, that's very true. And I remember actually, I was there when he when he last won an event on the European Tour, the the Johnny Walker Championship at Glen Eagles. And I remember standing on the 18th hole behind these guys waving Italian flags, and it was uh, quite interesting. And uh, that's when he actually of course finished up had a great finish. I think it was three or four birdies in a row towards the end of his round, and that kind of forced Colin Montgomery's hand to pick him as a captain's pick for the Ryder Cup that year at Celtic Manor where of course he played with uh, Francesco and a brother partnership there which is obviously fantastic but obviously he's had some hard times since then And but has come back as you say and now he has that stability of having his tour card for the next couple of years and he can try and re- rebuild his career going forward but a guy kind of in the other end of the spectrum was Wesley Bryan who really was best known I really before this year as being a trick shot artist with his brother George the Obviously, all across YouTube and the internet, some reality television shows as well. They were they, they produced some of the most amazing trick shots you've ever seen, and um, and since then, in this past sort of eighteen months or so, he's enjoyed a, a remarkable rise. Uh, Wesley, who's younger than the two brothers, twenty seven years of age, he has come through the mini tours on the Web dot com tour last year. He won three times last year, and then coming into this season, of course, picking up his first PGA Tour win, and it's. Altogether more remarkable, given that you know at the start of 2016, he he hadn't actually recorded a single point in the world rankings. Uh, so he's he's enjoyed a, a remarkable rise. And oh, and obviously a lot of players have uh, 
had some meteoric rises in the game, come out of nowhere. And you know, Jordan Spieth is perhaps an example of that when he came onto the tour a few years ago. But Wesley Bryan, oh, and that has to be one of the most impressive and sudden uh, surges through the game that we've seen for quite some time. Yeah, it's amazing. I mean, it's a, it's a brilliant, brilliant story. I'd, I'd urge anyone to go uh, onto YouTube or, or Goal Shake to type the names in, the, uh, the Bryan brothers, and, and you'll find yeah. some of their trick shots. It's um, What they've actually done is they've decided they both wanted a career in golf, I believe, and, um, mm-hmm. and in order to fund uh, their playing, and they're obviously both players with some ability, um, um, and obviously Wesley's come to the fore now, and they've, to, in order to fund that, they decided to create this trick shot show which uh, took off on youtube uh the huge youtube stars massive amount of views and they do some um, amazing stuff i really urge anyone just to type their name in check it out it's, it's mind-boggling the tricks they can do uh but they use that to fund um their playing their dream of playing and obviously uh for wesley Bryan, it's it's all come true and it's come off and i think it's uh it's fantastic to see them them doing that not necessarily relying on on other people to gain their money and gain their sponsorship but to go out there do something about themselves and really live their dreams it's um it's an amazing story so some some sort of script for a film i would think in the future absolutely it is, is an incredible story and a, and a remarkable journey and uh, i think when they were kids they had like a makeshift driving range to play off it wasn't as if they were kind of upper class kids who had, had it all handed to them they really kind of were kind of from the ground up from the the grassroots level and working from there and uh, obviously an incredible journey for both brothers and uh, particularly now for wesley who of course will be making his debut next year at the masters and he, he now lives in georgia so it's kind of a home game for him next year i think he joked that now he's going to refer to augusta national as being his home course for the next 50 to two weeks or so until he gets there next year so that should be a, a great thing for him next season but obviously a guy now has that one win could certainly add to that throughout the, the year ahead and potentially going forward into the future um, obviously looking at another player who perhaps stood out uh, last week at the, in the PGA Tour was Ian Poulter who was kind of coming to the end of his medical extension having been injured last year coming back from injury needing to require uh, to make a certain amount of money to re- retain his playing rights on the PGA Tour and he came agonisingly close to doing so at the weekend there where he required a Initially, it was a, t- a top 12 finish, and he finished in a tie for 11th, but unfortunately, about half the field were tied alongside him, so the money was diluted from that, so he's, he's come up at $31,000 short of his target. So he's coming to the, the Texas Open this week, and he requires a top 30 finish to retain his playing rights. And, oh, and obviously, Ian Poulter... A guy who's got an incredible amount of determination. You know, he's made himself into a, a top-level golfer for many years now. A great Ryder Cup player, and uh, but this is one of the kind of the, the gravest challenges of his career, really, at this stage. Now he's in his forties, trying to retain his card and make sure his career still ticks along. Um, how how do you see? It? How impressed were you by his uh, getting into contention at the weekend, there, despite that pressure? And do you think he will retain his card this week in Texas? Yeah, I think uh, Ian Poulter is an interesting character. He's actually very low to me where where he started and uh, I've been aware of him a long time and he always steps it up uh, when the pressure's on and you can see that obviously ultimately in the Ryder Cup so I wasn't surprised to see him perform um, and I think he will he will do it this week I'd be very surprised if he didn't um, Mm -hmm. but there's almost uh, you know almost more pressure than ever before uh, on him being the way that uh, he has now moved his family and his life to Florida that PJ yeah. Tour card is really vital for him. He could no doubt come back and play on Europe on his career money list earnings uh, rankings. I'm sure he could get plenty of starts there. But really, he's now made his life in America, and that's where he is settled and based and his kids are. So there's a lot riding on this for him. Um, 
you know, all in perspective, obviously, he's, he's a multimillionaire and has a fantastic <laughs> lifestyle. So uh, if he doesn't make his card, I'm not, I'm not sure he'll be uh, too worried. But uh, he obviously wants to be no. playing at the very, very highest level. And he's still got quite a bit to give over the next five or six years to the game. So um, it's a big week, but uh, I'd be very surprised not to see him up there. He's, he's, still, he's still a class act and he's still very much an overachiever. And when the pressure's on, there's almost no one better. So it will be a shock uh, if he doesn't do it. Yeah, I, I certainly agree with that. I'm not sure he'll be signing on if he uh, doesn't get his tour card this year. But uh, yeah, obviously a great player, obviously a guy who's a, a big character. He has his lovers and he has his haters, but he, he's always uh, interesting. He's one of those few players now who seem to you know, generate an extra bit of attention, a little bit of added celebrity, a little bit of flash and panache to his game and that people always kind of enjoy that one, one way or the other. But also now, Owen, we're into the season now. Guys have been out playing this weekend. As we've seen from the score track, have been very busy. And uh, one thing that I always like about this time of year, when we get towards the summer, is Twilight Golf. And we had an article on Golf Shake last week looking at Twilight Golf and picking out some of the best deals across the UK and Ireland. Uh, looking at top 100 golf courses and finding the ones that had Twilight offers. Obviously, many of them are very expensive to play during the day. If you want this year to try and play golf courses for you know, potentially half the price, great golf courses, renowned golf courses such as Royal Dornock and uh, Ganton, Waterville in Ireland, uh, Royal St Ports, uh, Hankley Common, all these golf courses around the country uh, which are highly regarded, regularly ranked from the top 100 and try and get them and, and, and to play them for a cheaper rate this year and all the information is there on Golf Chick, so I'd certainly check that out. But Owen, in terms of Twilight Golf, it's something that I personally enjoy but... Uh, is it something that you in the past have taken advantage of and which courses have you played? Yeah, I certainly have. I mean, I think, um, you know, I'm a, I'm a member of a course, so I, I tend to have access to the course in the evening uh, no matter what. So, I, But I love that time uh, that time of year where you can get out there. Um, there's not many people on the golf course. You can maybe, uh, if you want to yeah. fly around, you can get round in, in a two ball in two and a half hours and, and really move around the course quickly and, and take advantage of that. Or, or you can go out there and, and play a twilight rate and, and just, you know, enjoy yourself, maybe do a bit of chipping around the green and putting and just just uh, take advantage of that time where the course is quiet. Um, there's not too many too, too many people about. Uh, if it's been a windy day, the wind's dropped. It's a lovely uh, period of the day to play. And certainly I remember mm -hmm. taking advantage of twilight rights, mainly when I'm on holiday, actually. I can remember playing Cardigan, uh, Cardigan Golf Club in Cardigan Bay in Wales um, with the family, um, mm -hmm. you know, being able to get a little bit of time away and just suddenly, you know, run around the course and and really take advantage of that sun going down over the ocean or over the Irish Sea um, and some beautiful spots. So um, it's something, yeah, I think everyone should look at if they're looking to maybe step up the quality of courses they're playing, access some courses that they wouldn't normally think about playing. It's well worth checking out that list we've created. And um, as we speak, actually, I'm down here in, in Kent today and, and only a couple of miles from uh, Royal Sankport. So you've almost tempted me into uh, getting my clubs out later <laughs> and taking advantage of that one. Excellent. And actually, I must quickly mention there, Owen is on the road this week, uh, today, and uh, I must say, this is really kind of a sign of the glamour of show business, the glamour of the Golf Shake podcast, but Owen is joining us right now from the inside, the confines of Acosta Car Park, so obviously in your real high quality location right there. Okay. But one guy who is also joining us uh, this, this week, we actually have a guest this week, uh, Kevin Paver, who's a great friend of Golf Shake, and many of you will know him uh, from his blog, Hackers of Single Figures, and also on the YouTube. He has a great YouTube channel there with many followers there, and he regularly updates that. 
and Kevin was a golfer who he wanted to go from being a high handicap golfer to single figures within a year. I think that was 2014 he tried that challenge and uh, didn't quite get there, which was a you know, bit, huge, um, incredible ask. But it certainly inspired his passion for the game and he set himself challenges ever since to try and improve his game and he shares that with everybody. I think it's quite inspiring to people who want to try and do that for themselves. So we shall bring him in right now. Uh, Mr. Paver, uh, thanks for joining us in golf, the Golf Chic Podcast this week. Uh, how are you? I'm very well, thank you for having me. Yes, it's a pleasure. You're the first guest we've ever had, so an oh. historic achievement for you and for us. We, you know, we, you know, as they say, you never forget your first, Kevin, so we're very glad to have you here this I, week. I'm very honoured, um, and do I get a badge is the first question. <laughs> Well, the, the man to sort that out there is Owen Davis, but I'm not sure he can get you a badge. He might get you a nice coffee, though. That's the one oh, thing. Yeah. Yeah, if, you, if you get down to uh, Kent, Kevin, from, uh, from, from Leeds, you, you can definitely have a Costa. <laughs> oh, I'm on my way. <laughs> Come on. And, and that is a very enticing offer, surely. That's, yes, you know, yes. Absolutely. <laughs> absolutely right. So, Kevin, we, we mentioned your Hackers to Single Figures there, of course, which you started a few years ago. Yes. Tell us a little bit about how you got into the game and what inspired the idea to set up the blog. Well, I, I set the blog up um, initially out of purely out of frustration of my own game. Um, I played off probably 24 um, mm-hmm. but knew I had a better game some of the time. Um, yeah. And also, I'd read quite a lot of books um, from people doing similar challenges. So the first one I read was a book called Dream On. Um, I don't know if you've read that. Uh, it's about a guy in Ireland who uh, works full-time and wanted to play a scratch round within a year at his own golf club. And so I read that, and I read that about four times and just was so inspired by it. There's another guy, the Dan Plan, who... Um, Trying to get, he's trying to get on tour. I think with that, um, um, with ten thousand hours of practice. So that old yep. theory that ten thousand hours you can become professional at anything. Um, and I was just kind of inspired by all those, and I thought, well, what's a realistic thing for me to do? I've I've just set up a business, so that potentially allowed me a bit more time and flexibility. I had two children and a family, so had commitments there. So I knew yep. scratch just wasn't ever going to be possible because there's just it's just far too much work. So a single figure handicap at my club felt like something that was kind of doable. So, um, but in the first year I realized that it wasn't, (laughs) it was much harder than it was much harder than I anticipated. Yeah. But you mentioned there, obviously it started at being 24 and and you got down to 16 in that first year. So that first first year. Yeah. Yeah. That was, um, that was good. The first year. Yeah, so that first year, and you, what did you do in that first year then? Did you work harder in your game on the range? Did you, did you try and play more? Did you go and get lessons? Did you buy new clubs? You know, what did you do to improve your game over that year? Well, the first year I had a lot of lessons and I spent a lot of time on the range. Mm-hmm. Um, I think what helped me in that first year is I was playing at a golf club. I was a member at a golf club that wasn't the toughest golf club, golf course to play. Um, so that higher end dropping down to 16 was actually relatively well not easy but it was easier than where I'm at now trying to come down because shaving those shots off it was just the silly shots um, and course management was a big thing and I worked a lot on my golf swing what I didn't work a lot on was short game and that's when I really that's where I really realized I was massively exposed with my game um, but then the second year it kind of um, it just went really stagnant and reason being is that I realized that when you set up a business at some point you actually have to do some work Really? Um, wow. Yeah, exactly. So that was a bit of a shock. So um, so the second year, I just didn't really um, 
I, I got it. I just got to the place of frustration again because I'd turn up to uh, my club on a Saturday morning to play in a medal, mm. uh, having not hit a golf ball all week. I'd turn up on a Saturday morning, expect to score well, score badly, play badly, and just be really frustrated and angry. And it's like, well, you've done nothing all week. How? How? Why would you expect to play well? Um, yeah, that's a, yeah, that's a very good point, Kevin. You people obviously expect to turn up on a Saturday morning and play well, even though they haven't oh, been at the range at all yeah. during the week. And it, and it seems strange that you know anything else in life, you expect to work hard to get the, the, exactly. the goal. Yeah, but in golf, we, we kind of have immediate uh, uh, um, expectations of trying to achieve uh, what we want. But obviously, you can't. You drop down eight, eight, nine shots in that first year, and many people listen to the podcast and in golf shake. You know, they will be relatively new players or novice players. And you know they they they've been inspired by that idea of getting down to mid-teen handicap within that first year. Mm. So you look at your game itself on the golf course. And, you know, was it a case of you mentioned the silly shots there and losing shots? Was that purely a, a course management thing? Was it making the right decisions? Was it choosing the right club for certain moments? How did you take those shots off your off your card, if you like, in that first year? Yeah, it was a lot of course management. It, it was yeah. quite a lot of um, having a more consistent golf swing as well, though. Right. Um, and giving myself more chances. And I think the big thing was stopping uh, if I had a meltdown on a hole, which inevitably that happened quite mm-hmm. often, uh, not let it become a meltdown over three or four holes, just making it be yeah. one hole and then forgetting about it and moving on. And not. And, and also I think one of the big things I found was that um, not thinking too much about the score that you're scoring whilst it's happening. I know it's quite hard because you're marking a card mm-hmm. as you're playing, yeah. but not dwelling on it too much or, you know, if you get in a bad place after eight holes, not not worrying about it too much and just carrying on playing. Mm-hmm. Hey, Kevin, can I, can I ask yeah. there, um, in terms of, you know, you obviously had lots of lessons and did lots of practice in that first year. Did you do anything mm. in, on the psychology of the game? Did you, did you read books on the psychology or did you consult a golf course psychologist to get yourself into that place where you weren't, uh, you know, worrying about uh, racking up a big number on a hole and, and then taking it on elsewhere. Is that something you did? Um, yeah, I did. Um, I, I listened to a couple of audio books, actually. Bob Rotella mm. audio books, mm. yep. um, which were really good. I listened to them an awful lot. Um, and there was um, another guy that uh, I spoke to a couple of times um, on the phone, um, a, a guy in America, actually, um, called Golf State of Mind. Yep. Mm-hmm. So I spoke to him a couple of times and, and he was the one who really told me about, you know, stop thinking about the score uh, or, or score differently. Th- score yourself over, group your holes into three holes at a time yep. and give yourself a score over the three holes. So every three holes you reset and start it again rather than stressing hmm. that you're already 10 over or, 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 you know, whatever it may be. And that was a massive thing for me, I think. Yeah, it sounds like great yeah, advice. I mean, actually, it's something we as golfers do over nine holes, isn't it? Which is slightly crazy. Yeah. Yeah. It's eighteen holes. It's and we divide it into two nines. But how often do we have a bad front nine and say, right, we're going to have a great back nine and things improve? And mm. it makes perfect sense to put it down into bite-sized chunks, doesn't it? Which we don't often do, yeah. I suppose. <clears throat> yeah, and I think the other thing, yeah. the other thing as well. Sorry, Kieran. The other thing was that I tried to play in as many. Um, of the medal competitions as I could. So we used to have them, uh, we used to have midweek medals every two weeks. I used to play in those as well as the Saturday medal. Cause I found that a med- when you, as soon as you get a medal card in your hand, it just gives you extra pressure rather than stable for rounds. It's you don't have, cause you know, you can have a bad hole and it don't really affect you too much. Whereas with mm. a medal card, it's a, I just think psychologically you're in a different place straight away before you've even started. Yeah. Um, so I tried to play as many of those as I possibly could. So I started to feel more comfortable with a medal card in my hand. 
And yeah, absolutely. And sorry, sorry, on on you go. Yeah, I just wanted to ask as well. What in that first year? What what surprised you most about uh, the challenge in terms of the difficulty? What what surprised you uh, most about the what what made it so hard? And what was the most surprising thing about that um, that you found in that first year? Um, what I found the most difficult thing I found was taking a game on the range and how I could hit the ball on the range and transferring that to the golf course. I found that so difficult. Um, you know, I, I, and I found that I was actually practicing on the range a lot and especially cause I started work on the swing through winter. So the course was really wet and it was, you know, it was hard to go and practice. It was raining a lot. Um, so I'd practice on the range all the time and, but actually getting on the golf course, it'd be like, where's that golf swing that I had on the range? How's, how can I not do that? And that took, that was really hard. And I still struggle with that now, actually, to be fair. Yeah. yeah, and Kevin, you mentioned there, obviously, the first year had that great improvement. The second year was a bit more static. How did you get on last year in 2016? Um, well, the last two years have been were static because I just didn't really do the challenge so much. So it was this year that I really picked it back up. Um, right. I think last year, also last year, I moved to a new golf club. So I'm in my second year at a new golf club, which is much tougher. So I think I dropped uh-huh. a shot still last year. But, um, right. I struggled with golfer's elbow a lot for the last okay. sort of 18 months or so as well. Um, mm. But I actually gave it a proper rest this winter. Um, and touch wood, it all seems okay at the minute. Um, Excellent. So, yeah, the golfer's elbow is kind of behaving itself. Um, so this year was the uh, – and also work was just – it was we were in a period where work was just very busy mm. and um, it was just so hard to to – commit time to practicing and I was doing that thing of turning up on a Saturday and yeah to score well um th- yeah that's right I think in the end that, that's mostly a time issue for most people in that yeah you know, people talk about golf being long, long rounds or whatever else and slow play but really to get to, to actually improve at golf there's so much associated time that you have to spend as well at the range you know obviously getting lessons or whatever else and that is something that people struggle to commit to and uh, and that's what you have to do to improve as a player but going into this year Kevin you mentioned obviously last year was a bit more static you're you're feeling refreshed for this year you're ready for this season you know what have you done so far this year and what are your plans ahead challenges you're setting yourself goals you're setting yourself this summer well this year so yeah I've, re- I've really focused on it this year so sort of from January time I really got ready tried to get ready for the start of the season mm-hmm. um, I started having lessons with Rick Shields um, which is going really well so he's really helped me with some of the quirks in my swing that made it inconsistent um, yeah. the other two big things uh, I had a driver fitting this year um, which has just made a whole world of difference I can't even I can't even stress how important it is to go and get fitted for golf clubs. It, it, I mean, mm. the difference is just insane. Uh, the amount of more fairways that I'm hitting since since I got fitted for um, my driver. Uh, I'm getting an iron fitting this week as well because something that's become apparent is that my irons, which are actually off-the-shelf irons, are just not right for me. Yeah. Right. Um, so I'm going for an iron fitting as well, which, again, I'm hoping will... I'm trying to get all these things in order now before the re- season's really started. So we had our first medal last week, mm-hmm. um, which wasn't very good, actually, to be honest. Um, <laughs> first one of the year, it's okay. Well, exactly, that's what I'm putting it down to, first one of the year. Um, but yeah, so I've been really, I've been much more focused with my practice. I've been much more focused with um, delivering content, which those two together is, is kind of forcing me to do more practice and more golf because I've kind of, I've committed to it this year. Um, so it's even things like I have a putting mat that I have in the house. So 
you know, on a night whilst watching TV or whatever it is, I'll just be putting Mm -hmm. with no real specific focus or drill, but just getting used to the feeling of of putting. And so that almost becomes something I don't think about anymore when I'm on a golf course. Mm -hmm. Well, it's fascinating you mentioned your custom fitting, Kevin, and that's obviously something that's a big topic in the game. Mm -hmm. A lot of people haven't, you know, like myself, for example, I've never been custom fitted. I've actually never had a golf lesson. And I tell you, it actually actually shows, but uh, that's... I, I'm what I'm probably fitting that terrible, awful Scottish stereotype of being too tight with my money, but that's not true. You know, I, I just haven't got round to it. But would you recommend people then? Obviously, look at custom fitting. You made it. You said there how much of a difference it's made to your game. You know, what was that process like? And would you then recommend that to anybody at any level of the game to try and do that for themselves as well? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, the process was fantastic, and I, I was lucky enough to go down to Callaway's um, European Fitting Centre and yeah. uh, get fitted. Uh, for the new uh, epic driver and um, I mean I was there I was probably in there for an hour hitting golf balls with so many different combinations of club head club shaft um, Mm -hmm. and then the specs of the actual the adjustments within that actual driver head to get to a point where the club was performing the very best it could be for my golf swing Mm -hmm. Um, and the difference was amazing I mean I I got much more uh, carry and, and total distance out of my drive which is brilliant everybody wants to hit it further yeah. um but more importantly i was it was my dispersion came down right down um mm-hmm. and i was hitting more fairways and that's shown in my golf shake stats um just since january really since i started using that driver my stats have you know i've hit 15 percent more fairways you know for me that's pretty good over around you know i was hitting you know, probably 35% fairways and now I'm hitting 50% of the fairways. So just in that alone, that's made a big difference. Um, Now I need to do the same with the irons. That's, that's the next job. Can I just jump in there, Kieran? Um, I mean, obviously I, 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 you know, my role at Goldshake is I do a lot of equipment testing and, um, you know, and I've I've worked in equipment um, with equipment companies for a long time. And it's interesting when you, you hear golfers, uh, particularly uh, when you've had mid to high handicappers talk about custom fitting and saying, oh, I'm not good enough to do it. Um, you know, it yeah. won't make a difference. Actually, quite the opposite's true. Um, you know, and, and kind of the less skilled the player, the less ability they have to, um, you know, to adapt their swing to clubs that aren't right for them. So you'll find actually mm-hmm. a scratch player could, could pick up a, a set that's completely wrong for them and be able to adapt their swing in order to use those. Yeah. And actually the higher handicap and the lower your skill sets are, um, the more you need to be custom fitted. So actually you really need to think about custom fitting and flipping it on its head uh, quite often. Mm. And and you probably found that, Kevin, actually. It, was, you were, it sounds like you were quite surprised at the difference it, it made immediately to you. Uh, and now it's obviously yeah. led on to an iron fitting, which is great. Yeah, absolutely. I think, and I think the other thing, the, I think the most dangerous thing now for golfers like myself is adjustability in golf clubs. Because what I had was, so I had a, a Nike driver. Uh, I'd been custom fitted for a, a version of that driver two years ago, and it performed very well for me. But then I started meddling with it, and I was changed, and I got a different head. I started changing the settings, to, and it got to the point where I just couldn't hit it anymore. Um, because I'd, I'd messed around with it so much and I think that's the danger now because we don't really know what we're doing <laughs> we're just you know you just start adjusting clubs but you don't really know why you're adjusting it or what that's going to do to the golf club and it just got to the point where it just it not only didn't perform very well but it felt horrible yeah, and, and, um, and the difference I got from you know someone who knew what he was doing 
Um, and now, so and I've got my adjustable driver now, and but expect exactly how the custom fitter set it. I've not touched it at all because I'm like, well, I don't need to. I know that's exactly how it needs to be for me. Yeah, I, I would always recommend guys if they're going to do that, if they want to change it, they they need to consult uh, the pro and try and get in a launch manager. You know, especially if they think their swings changed and they want to change the settings, it's worth finding that out mm. because it's not like you say, just about total distance. So it's all about, uh, a lot of it's about dispersion and bring that in. And the spin rates that you yeah. create uh, from changing uh, your driver, the lofts or, or, you know, or the draw settings or fade settings can change the spin rates. And, and you'll get that dispersion um, up and, and, you know, hitting more fairways is, is a big indicator of, of bringing your handicap down. So, yeah, definitely something, uh, you're on the right lines there, Kevin, no doubt. Yeah, I mean, just just the, back to the irons as well, the... Um, so I've been having lessons with Rick Shields and, and we've looked at my irons and I have this, my bad shot's this left shot. And um, and it turns out that my irons are actually more upright and I need a flat flatter iron. So, and it's, you know, it's such a minor, it's like two degrees or something. So it's, you'd think it was just nothing. It doesn't actually make a difference. But it's making a massive difference to my game because my swing looks okay. And it's like, why isn't it working? What's wrong with it? And then it turns out that it's actually... I'm just playing the clubs that just aren't suited to my golf swing. You know, they're probably mm. fine for someone with a different swing, but for me, they're not right. So, um, yeah, custom fitting uh, for irons incoming. Yeah, certainly, absolutely. That's great insight there, Kevin. And uh, obviously this year, people, you have a relationship with Golf Chic. You're a Golf Chic ambassador as well as your YouTube channel and your blog. And uh, that, gives you, that gives you the chance to play some great golf courses and uh, review them for us. So uh, this year going forward, do you have any plans to play at any golf courses at all that you haven't played before this year? Um, well, I'm, I'm playing... Um, there's quite a lot of nice courses in, in Yorkshire that I want to try and play this year. Um, I'm actually yeah. playing in the Yorkshire Classic, which is a three-day amateur competition, which is at All Woodley... Fulford and Motown, so that's at the start of May. So fingers crossed for that one. Um, I'd quite like to do a little bit further afield, but I'd quite like to do the uh, the Mackenzie Trail. All right, have yes. Have you seen that? I uh, have, yes. So like, there's like eight or nine golf clubs that have kind of mm-hmm. come together to, um, you know, that you, and you can play that. They've done a deal, so you can play them a little bit cheaper. So uh, I'd yeah. quite like to do that. They're all within about 60, 70-mile radius, I think. So mm-hmm. quite like to do that. Ganton, I've, I've never played and really want to do that, uh, which I think is mm-hmm. the number one course on Golf Shake in Yorkshire, in the north. Yeah. I, I so think it is, yes. And, and also, I must quickly mention there that that is actually part of the, the Twilight deals that we mentioned earlier. You can actually play uh, Ganton for a Twilight deal of, of £55, which saves 35 on the full green fees. So, you know, if you again, to anybody want, listening to the podcast right now, if you want to play, you know, top 100 golf courses in the UK and Ireland, you know, check out the Golf Shake. We have a really good article there, which, you know, there are many golf courses, about 20 of them out of that number, who have Twilight deals and uh, you, know, you can save a, a great amount of money on them and it can give you access to those golf courses for much less uh, but Kevin you're looking at your own obviously your handicap and whatever else you know what are your do you have any kind of numerical goals this year are you trying to get down to a certain number this year what would be satisfying for you when we come to the end of this year well a single figure would be is because that's obviously the goal that's the ultimate yeah uh, that's the ultimate goal ideally I'd like to I'd really like to get to seven that's the figure I have in my head I know that's going to be really really tough but I am putting a lot of time into that and mm. um, it does feel like I'm in quite a good place to go after that number short games where it's going to be for me this year yeah that's going to make, that's going to make the real difference for me 
and that's something you're working on actively right now. You're, you're focusing on your short game. Now, obviously, your long game's now pretty much covered with the lessons you're having, and obviously the, the equipment's coming in now, perfect for that. So your short game, you do you have a short game area at the golf club to work on? How do you go about that? Yeah, I've got a short game area on the uh, yeah my golf club, which is great, um, and so I can just go and access that whenever I want. And um, I'll mm-hmm. be using the uh, all the drills and tips that are in uh, that Golf Shape provide because there's some great ones in there. There was one I used actually the yes. other day that um, I think uh, it was one that you did there, Owen, with uh, the landing target. Yeah, with James. Yeah, the landing uh, landing zones. Yeah. So I've been trying to do that quite yeah, a lot. Yeah, that's actually a very good. That's that was shot good, with man. James Reeson, who uh, is another goal shake ambassador, but uh, is playing professionally on the Alps Tour uh, and yeah. in search of his European Tour card. But um, he's got an incredible short game. Uh, and that was all about uh, trying to, you know, work on different clubs and where they land and what the landing zones are and their rollout. And um, it's quite amazing. I, I I did the drill as well with him off camera, and um, he kicked my butt. But uh, I found it I found it really <laughs> found it really difficult to do. But a big eye opener, and it's definitely one to to check out that one. Yeah, and you'll, and you'll find uh, those tips from James Reeson and, and all of our other uh, golf sheet coaches and pros uh, on the website as well in the tuition section. You know, there's so many great videos there from different parts of your game, from t- so many different personalities, and uh, there's some great insight there. But Kevin, you mentioned earlier about tracking your stats on golf sheet and your scores and whatever else. And uh, yeah. how much has that kind of educated you in terms of what part of your game to focus on going forward? And how has that helped your game by tracking your stats regularly, your fairways, hit your greens, your putts, short game up and downs, whatever else? You know, how has that helped your game? and the way you approach your game? Uh, it's helped massively. I think um, I, I, I was always very guilty of um, not really remembering, um, you know, my stats on a golf course because I just mm-hmm. think it's really hard to do. Yeah. Um, so for me to be able to go back, I think you always have a perception as well that oh, I putted really well today and then you'll go and have a look at your stats and you'll be like, oh, actually, no, I didn't. I putted terribly. Mm-hmm. Uh, I probably could have been five shots better if I hadn't have had all those those puts or the scrambling or so the the, the stats for me are, are really are really important and also they're good to, to track whether you are actually the things you're working on are actually improving and making a difference to your game yeah and yeah. i think the the real game changer for me was the app when golf uh-huh. released the app um because it i found it quite hard to track whilst i was playing um but and now i track as i'm playing so and at the end of the round, so it's super easy for me to do because when I'm walking onto the next hole, I'll fill in my stats for that hole that I've just played. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and then at the end of the round, I upload it. And then I come back and, you know, when I log into my Golf Shake account and I can really get into the stats, um, it's all there and done. So it's just made it super easy for me. Kevin, is that something you yeah, can share with, we- you, with, you know, obviously Rick's coaching you at the moment and uh, I've seen some of your video lessons actually on the YouTube channel, which are, are fascinating to watch. I'm not sure... Uh, you know, when I started watching those, I was thinking, do I want to watch someone else's lesson? And I find them brilliant. I, I find them absolutely enthralling to watch. It, it's, it's actually quite good fun to, to see how someone else's game's changing, what a big difference they can make. But the stats in particular, is that something you would share with Rick um, to, to allow him to assess them and have a look at them? Or is that just information you'll, you'll take along to the lesson and say, look, this, this is what the stats are showing? Uh, no, absolutely. Yes. I think it's a great tool to be able to share with you know, the, the person you are, I mean, coaching with, um, because they can't see your game, you know, every round that you're playing They're they're not with you every round. So, and I like say, I think perception of how you've played is very different to the reality of how you've played sometimes. Um, so for me to be able to go with, 
stats over, you know, we can look over ten my last 10 rounds and, okay, where are you losing the shots? Where can we make the most improvement um, in your game? Where can we tidy up five shots from? Um, I think, and having those stats, just the access to those stats, and also looking back how far the stats go, you know, you can, you can get some really good pitches from that stuff. I think it's great. Yeah, absolutely. And like, like you said, they're obviously t- coming to a golf coach. I guess a golf coach is, is in some ways like a, a GP, a doctor. And they're trying to describe your symptoms can be a little bit awkward at times for some people who maybe don't know how to articulate it. But obviously having those stats to hand, you can actually show the coach, you know, this is where I'm going wrong and, and give them more of an idea as to why that is the case and uh, what to work on going forward. Uh, so, Kevin, obviously you mentioned the, the, the app there for Golf Shake. And, you, and people listening right now, they can download that on Android and iOS. And that's a great way to track your scores and your stats as you're playing Obviously, it can, you know, obviously easier for your your, your mental side as well, yeah, and uh, it's a great way to bring your stats together at the end of the round. So, Kevin, you're coming to the end of our time, and uh, you know, obviously, we wish you so much, uh, so so well this year with your golf, and uh, we thank you so much for your time. How have you enjoyed being the first guest on podcast on the Golf Sheet Podcast? Uh, it's, it's been unbelievable, touching. Me. <laughs> Has it has it been life changing? Uh, well, I would say so. Yeah, definitely. Yes, yeah, certainly yeah. life enhancing. Yeah, <laughs> I just wish I was uh, I was doing it from the car park of Costa, uh, like Owen. That's where, where that's you can like be, Kevin. It's fine. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> see, see, that's it. Your kids listening here. You know, getting to getting to broadcasting. That is your future. And you know, you know, in, in the car park of a Costa Coffee. There oh. you are, and that's. Owen has certainly made it. It's taken them 35 years, but he's finally made it. And uh, you know, so so Owen, again, any, any last questions or thoughts for Kevin before we um, let him go? No, I think I think I obviously wish you best of luck, Kevin. I think it's a it's a fantastic challenge. It's fascinating to see how you're getting on, and and I was very interested in how the you know doing more content this year. Obviously, you've stepped it up on the YouTube videos, which are which are brilliant to watch, and and the blog as well. And I just think people can follow your journey uh, now and, and the fact that, that that content is focusing you in on certain parts of your game uh, is is really interesting and I'd, I'd encourage anyone to go and, and have a look and follow Kevin's progress and, and I'm sure it'll provide some inspiration to others to, to take up the same challenge and we'd love to hear about those on Goldshake as well so you know drop us a tweet or a Facebook message and, and we, we'd love to learn about what you're up to as well so um, best of luck Kevin. Thank you very much. Absolutely. And uh, you can follow Kevin's progress on Twitter at Kevin Paver. He's also on a, a blog at Hackers to Single Figures. You can get the link from that from his Twitter page and also on YouTube, Hackers to Single Figures there as well. And there's some great videos there from his lessons with Rick Shields and his fitting session with Callaway. That's also on the Golf Chick website as well. We featured that there too. So you can catch up with Kevin and follow his progress in, in different ways throughout the year. And so obviously, Kevin, once again, thank you for coming on to the podcast this week. And uh, Owen, I thank you as always. And uh, when you're there, I'll have a medium hot chocolate with no cream on top, please. Thank you very much. So thanks for listening, everybody. And uh, we'll catch you next week on the Golf Shake podcast. Get out on the golf course, hit the fairways, play well, track your scores in the Golf Shake score tracker, and then continue to improve your game, much like Kevin Paver has done. 